Today I'm speaking with Kelly Wiskin. Kelly lives in Torquay on Wathalrong country and is a doula, movement therapist and counsellor with a profound understanding of the physical, emotional and psychological aspects of birth. Kelly seamlessly weaves together her expertise to guide expectant parents and the people they love through pregnancy, birth and postpartum. As a teacher in centred body movement, Kelly recognises the vital connection between the body and mind harnessing authentic movement to largely facilitate the support she provides. Her background as a counsellor complements her ability to provide holistic support, addressing the emotional and mental facets of the transition to parenthood with empathy, understanding and grace. As a doula and sole parent to three children, Kelly has witnessed the beauty and challenges of birth and what it means to be on call firsthand. I hope you enjoy our conversation and you can connect with Kelly via the links in the show notes. Welcome to the Whole Doula Podcast. The Whole Doula Podcast is a conversation space for doulas and birth workers to talk about the diverse paths that led them to birth work, as well as the diverse and unique skills, interests and offerings they bring to their birthkeeping roles. Here I dive into conversations with others who may be wondering how to bring the different aspects and experiences of their own lives into their roles as doulas in business. After all, there is more than one way to doula. And I'd love to help others see the connections between all the different parts of themselves to see themselves as a whole doula. I am your host, Mary Giordano, doula, birth educator, counsellor and doula business mentor and this is the Whole Doula Podcast. I hope you enjoy listening. Good morning Kelly, welcome to the Whole Doula Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'd love to start by hearing how you refer to yourself as a birth worker. Do you call yourself a doula or do you call yourself something else? And if so, why? Yeah, so I've always referred to myself as a doula and then when someone looks at me a little bit blank, I'll sort of just mention birth attendant, the word birth attendant, which I feel is kind of a bit old school, but at the same time it puts them in that place to be able to sort of relate and then they're like, oh, a midwife. I'm like, no, the non-medical. So, yeah, I tend to refer to myself as a doula. I quite like that word. I think that we're doulas amongst many birth workers that do many different things. So for mm-hmm. me that just feels like a really nice fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And I was reading on your website this morning, I think you've been a doula for about 13 years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. So I'm curious, have you found that more people have been familiar with the term doula more now than perhaps 10 years ago when you would tell people what a doula was? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I think it's a lot more in the literature now and there's a few more actors or famous people who are employing doulas and so the word is certainly out. And even when young people ask me about my role, they've heard of doulas. So I'm finding that a lot of younger people are aware of doulas. So when I refer to younger people like teenagers who haven't even had children yet. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's definitely a broadening awareness, which is so beautiful. And I think that's really reflected in the inquiries as well. How so? I've noticed the last couple of years a massive increase in in inquiries, quite regular. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this kind of more proliferation of the the use of the term doula and the more common understanding or widespread understanding of it has resulted in more inquiries. Is that what you're saying, you think? Yeah, I believe so. And I, I think COVID actually had a lot to do with that too, where couples were, especially down here on the surf coast, 
were only allowed the one support person. And I think that really sort of really took birth support to the next level. I think there was a real, Mm. like there was some real gems in that period for me as well, personally. And I think that they were really thrusted, I think, into this, you know, how important it is to feel supported and feel safe. And I think COVID presented a lot of unknowns and a lot of questions. And I feel like there's definitely been uh, increase in inquiries since then as well. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So would you tell us how you got into the birth world or the, the sphere of birth 13 years ago? It would be good to hear what your journey was like before we sort of find out where you're at at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that's what really caught me in your post and your invitation to doulas to share their story because I come from a family of five and mm-hmm. then my mum fostered an additional gosh, I don't want to say hundreds, but it was a pretty high amount. And then five of those became our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So I, I refer to myself as a family of 10 and wow. they're very much a big part of our family. And so I always grew up around nurturing and, you know, I was the eldest of 10. You were the oldest. Wow. Yeah. So I was kind of thrusted into this um, this very natural and innate role of of caring for others But I didn't know at that point I was going to be a doula. I just knew, you know, that I became a mum at a young age. So I was 23 and 25 when I had my first two. But I've always had a love for movement and dance. So when I was 28, I completed my centred body movement teacher training. So at 33, I had my third. Mm -hmm. And it was then I wanted to be a midwife and the midwife that supported us said, have you heard of doulas? So I actually hadn't heard of doulas prior to my third child. So she introduced me to a group of gorgeous women who gathered who were very interested in becoming doulas back in 2009 Mm -hmm. and early 2010 I started my training with Rhea and it wasn't until I attended my first birth I connected the dots so in my centered body movement teacher training, there is a component like we spent nine months together. It was almost like a doula training in itself, but for movement mm-hmm. and understanding the body. And authentic movement was something that was a real highlight for me where authentic movement is about a mover and a witness. And so we would spend hours witnessing movement without talking Mm. and allowing people to feel safe to be able to move their bodies to the internal impulses that were coming. Mm -hmm. And then they would sit down in front of us and the mover always shared first and then we would share our experience and how often the more we became attuned, we were picking up what was moving for the woman but without assumption, like we didn't always get it right. Mm -hmm. And I just remember my first birth, all my worlds just came together at once. I was watching this woman in labour and it it took me right back to my movement training where I was just being witness. witness. Yeah. And I could sense how this baby was moving through her. I could sense. I just felt so at home. I went, this is just so familiar to me. And... There was just this real like safety that I was used to holding the space. So it was just in a different context. Mm. So my whole, my heart just went 
this is exactly where I'm meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I've loved the work, you know, like I feel like this is something I'll be doing for a very long time. It mm-hmm. does come very innately to me. And, of course, as a doula, you know, you add to your repertoire and there's different things that you build upon. So once I made that connection and I met with people, I realised I needed a few more tools. So I went on and became a qualified counsellor and just to support the relationship. So I was really feeling that I didn't have the tools when couples were slightly disconnected to sort of work with them together Mm -hmm. in creating that connection, which I feel is a very integral part of the work I do now. Mm -hmm. So it's just been a lot of fun building on what feels innate and creating this beautiful container for couples to really trust their bodies and coming into that trust, that innate trust that we all have, but can sometimes find so hard and difficult to access that's that's how my journey has kind of incrementally sort of grown and developed and yeah it's beautiful i've never heard of centered body movement or authentic body movement you've referred to it as the two different terms there before um is it a therapeutic practice and at some point you said the women so is it only women that you were working with doing that or was it all genders yeah it was all genders so in the training there was males and females so Centered body movement therapy is probably another way of saying dance therapy, movement mm-hmm. therapy. It all sort of centers around, I guess, somatic movement, like the body. Someone connecting to their own rhythms. That real blueprint that we all have and just coming in touch with it is just another level. So mm-hmm. authentic movement was a module of the centered body movement training. Yeah, I see. Sounds really interesting and I can absolutely see the crossover there and I can imagine that moment when you're at this birth and you realise that it's just what you'd been doing because I had a similar story. I won't go into that now, but the first episode of the podcast is actually my own story but where my sort of personal and professional worlds collided as well and it was like, oh, okay, it makes sense. Oh, yeah, such a great feeling. Yeah, very reaffirming and most people working in this space have had a calling of some kind, I guess. I'm yet to speak to somebody who's in this space who hasn't received a calling, who isn't really following a you know a heart's calling. That's really interesting. Thank you. So, so that was 13 years ago, and you sort of found yourself in the birth world, trained with Rhea Dempsey, and did some counselling work as well. Which I also love how you spoke to the importance and 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 how integral it is for you to support the the couple, the dynamic between partners, which I also do a lot of in my work, and also have a counselling background, and. We talked about that recently in my intuitive doula mentoring group because one of the doulas in there wasn't so comfortable or didn't perhaps see it as her role until Mm -hmm. we had that conversation. And I see it as a really important part of my role to facilitate that communication and that relationship and, you know, that that's a really key part of my role. And, um, yeah, so we explored that. I I find that very, very rewarding as well and really important. So, yeah, sounds like a really interesting start. So, so then over the past 13 years when you've been, since you've been working as a doula, how has your work emerged and changed and grown and developed over that time? Yeah, wow. Great question. I feel like being a doula for me is kind of like journeying through pregnancy and birth and postpartum. There's a lot of ebbs and flows. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of sort of coming away from an experience, there's a lot of reflection and learning and how can I do this differently? Or for me, the biggest challenge has been supporting women in hospital. There's this, I think, 
belief that we can advocate, that doulas are advocates. And to some level, I guess that word can be a bit blurry, but it's more about coming back to that communication with couples and educating them to be responsible and advocate for their choices and desires and needs. And so it's getting really clear around communication. And so I think that's ever evolving and changing as the birth world is ever evolving and changing. So I'd say that would be my biggest, that has certainly been my biggest challenge, Mm -hmm. but also quite rewarding in getting really innovative and because I'm quite creative, like I love creativity in my work. So I actually really thrive with the challenges. So it's like, Mm -hmm. all right, this is what we've been presented with. How are we going to, you know, how are we going to tackle this? Mm -hmm. So there's one part that finds it really challenging and then there's another part that finds those challenges quite invigorating. But how it's evolved, I think, again, coming back to COVID where we weren't allowed into the hospital. A lot of it was in-home labour support. So now I have this beautiful offering, which I just love, which is simply that, in-home labour support. So for couples who really want to birth as their own team, perhaps don't require a doula for the hospital bit, they feel pretty confident about that. So that's a new offering that sort of sprung from not being able to attend. But not only that, Mary, I think during COVID for me, I was like, okay, this is what, again, that innovation, this is what we've been presented with, so how can we work to our our highest capacity in supporting these women and couples at home? Mm-hmm. And I loved it so much because they would go to hospital, I remained on call, and I would get a message or a call anywhere from an hour to maybe six hours was probably the most and there was a baby in arms Mm -hmm. born. It was actually, I don't know if it's coincidence, but it was a year where it was the most positive birth outcomes. Mm -hmm. Every single birth was just, you know, as you would want for someone, you know. I just thought, well, I'll just, you know, I'll take that. I haven't done enough Mm -hmm. research to find out if there's any methods or anything to back it yet, Mm -hmm. but Whatever I did, I feel worked. So I guess I've just sort of really taken that and put it into the in-home labour support package. Mm-hmm. So as far as how it's growing, I'm always tuning my offerings to what I feel is bringing the most positive outcomes mm-hmm. but also what's going to work for me as well. Mm-hmm. And also, as you said, responding to the environment and the circumstances around you as you did there yeah, and created an offering that you hadn't perhaps considered before but turned out to be super valuable. It's very interesting to hear that it seems like the birth outcomes across that year were so steadily positive. And I'm curious, was that 2020, 21 or 22? Are you talking about the first year of the pandemic or was this something a pattern that you noticed? The second year, 21. It's really interesting. Did you happen to ask, I'm curious, did you happen to ask the families who had those positive outcomes in hospital what they thought was sort of the key driving factor behind their positive experiences or or not? I'm just curious if there was any sort of pattern that emerged from there. That's a really good question. I think I just celebrated in their afterglow. I didn't really think to ask those mm-hmm. questions at the time because, as you would know, I guess, when there's such positive birth outcomes There's just this real celebration. There's like no need Mm -hmm. for questions or Mm -hmm. 
complicating anything. And But it could be something definitely to come back to and ask those people because it was. It was really a highlight for me. Something mm-hmm. that I thought would be really challenging actually ended up being really, really beautiful. Mm. So how many of those sort of the in-home birth support would you be doing per year at the moment, roughly, people who don't actually want the support in hospital if they're birthing in hospital? Yeah, look, that's a really great question. So this year I have done quite a lot. And again, it's all learning. So next year I will be condensing to one a month. Mm -hmm. I will be coming back a little bit because, like I was saying, birth is unknown and unpredictable and my son returned to school this year. So I celebrated. I went, great, I can get back into what I love a bit more vigorously. Mm -hmm. And I had women with safe due dates, I felt, Mm -hmm. and they all came within days, hours and weeks. Some came late, some came early. And I just found that quite challenging, you know, as well as looking after my children and all the other things that come. So, yeah, I'm going to put it out there for a doula. So if anyone's listening to this, someone to work alongside me so that I can engage, so I can support more women. But next year I will be doing one a month because I I felt like that was also what I did during COVID and there was a beautiful flow about it. There was just this they would birth and then there was this beautiful postpartum and then that would roll into the next one. There wasn't sort of a lot all happening at once. Mm -hmm. When you say that you'd want to do one a month, are you talking about one a month of in-home labour support or one a month altogether of births that you support, whether you actually or not, or are you still figuring that out? I mean, I guess a lot of that is in the moment also and based on need and if it was a couple that I'm supporting maybe for the second time, Mm-hmm. I would obviously consider those factors as far mm-hmm. as my availability. I just feel in-home labour support, I could possibly do more than one a month. But like I said, this year has really thrown my theories out the window as far as mm-hmm. due dates and feeling safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not joking. I don't know what has happened this year, but It's been beautiful and I've made all of them, but it's also been quite a challenge physically to get home, get some rest, and then knowing that I'm going to be off to the next one in three hours, five hours. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear that after 13 years, it's only this year that you've noticed that. And and to me, that, that speaks to some kind of message there that, as you said, that you're responding to, that maybe it's too much. I haven't experienced it yet. I've had people who've had, I've been a doula for about five years, people who've had same due dates. I've had two births in one day, but I've never had an experience where it hasn't worked out reasonably comfortably. I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think when it works out reasonably comfortably and you've got a couple of days to kind of recover mm-hmm. and regroup for the next one, um, whereas these sort of, all of them, my daughter said to me actually, she said, oh, they've all synced up with you, mum, for mm. some reason, you know? There's a message there, yeah. Yeah, I think. I'm always trusted, like my mentor, when I very first started, she said, I don't know what it is, but the births, they just always work out. Mm. And so there's been a lot of deep surrender and and trust in that they will, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to be feeling that all the time. Yeah, it comes with a level of stress for families. So when I say one, now that we're talking about it, maybe two, but I just feel for that level of flow, it's nice to have a bit of spaciousness Mm. around you 
I mean, I'm pretty good at being on call, but this took it next level this year. Yeah. It's so good to hear for particularly newer doulas or emerging doulas. You know, I think everyone I speak to as well, we, we all seem to agree that there's something that a higher power that oversees and, and helps it to always work out. And then maybe it doesn't. And that's also a message that we've got to change tack or pivot again. And that's yeah, how we that's figure it. That's how we sort of know. So how old are your children now, Kelly, just to get a feel for what your sort of parenting responsibilities are at this stage in your doula career? So my eldest is just turned 24. Okay. My daughter is 21 and my youngest turns 14 this Sunday. Okay. So, and are the eldest two still at home? No. So the eldest two have fledged. Uh-huh. And so my daughter's in Melbourne. My son is local and my youngest just started back at school this year after remote learning and homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So, and he just requires support. I don't want to say he requires a lot from me or of me, but he requires presence mm-hmm. and um, understanding and patience. And I've given like all of my children, that's my priority. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me to honor that's really important. It's a real high value of mine mm-hmm. to be available for my children in that way. Yeah, and it's it's really good to hear. So he's 14 and you've been a doula for 13 years, so essentially since he was a baby. Yes, I was pumping during training and then mm-hmm. uh, his dad would bring him out to me mm-hmm. to feed if I was full. Or- I was doing the same and pumping at my first Yeah. Year. So for those who are maybe listening and, and have little children or considering becoming doulas and wondering how would they be doulas once they do have children, do you have a bit of sage advice that you could give them? since you've had this one little one that's accompanied you and also the two older children who were young teenagers or just above 10 at that time, I imagine, when you started. Yeah, 10 and 7. Yeah, that's right. For me, I guess a little bit like we've explored already on this call is that just knowing your edges and understanding who your support team is and who's supporting you whilst you're supporting others, um, a massive thing that's got me through as well as been prioritising self-care. So... Mm. A lot of my friends, they're like, God, you're so good at that. You're in the bath again or you're, you know, away for the weekend in nature. Or So I think for me that has been an absolute game changer hands down because mm-hmm. my entire family are in Western Australia. So I'm very limited as far as the support I have here. I am a sole parent. So probably nine years of this journey has been navigating on my own. So when my eldest children were at home, that was nice to know that my youngest was was cared for, but then when they sort of came into that 16-year-old bracket where they, their social lives became more important and they didn't want to be babysitting, mm-hmm. I went and worked for three years thinking I should, it's funny, I was like, I should get a real job, mm-hmm. you know, and all it did was stress me out. I got very sick. I got really, really unwell and realised that this is actually being a doula is my mm, my real, real job. job. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so my advice would be just to know your support people, know your people, mm-hmm. know who you can call on at any hour. And I think that's really tricky, Mary. I don't know about the other people that have spoken or yourself personally, but when you are a doula and you know that's your calling and you just really want to go all in, having someone else who can be, you know, on call with you can be really tricky to find mm-hmm. because I've had a backup doula from time to time and it just I feel so held and it feels so so lovely but when they're not available it's really like poof I just you know you fall into that deeper sense of surrender and trust that mm-hmm. everything's going to unfold and and be okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah just finding finding your people 
keep attuning to what's moving for you and you know like this year probably has been a little bit too much I probably have taken on too much but there was a level of excitement when my son started back at school that I could do that Mm -hmm. you know I haven't been in this space for a really long time and so it was like yes Yes, yes, but yes, it's yes. an on, ongoing sort of equilibration, isn't it, of figuring out, okay, can you do this, can you do that, and, and stepping back. And maybe when you step back, you realise you actually step up again and it's a continuous kind of reassessing of where you're at and what you can hold. Yeah, it's really challenging. I, I find the same and we also have no family around and ne- never have since I've, well, we've never had family around since we've been parents. Thinking of the support people, how I, what I do when I'm on call, I, I find it tricky also just for listeners to get sort of understanding of, of how we actually navigate these challenges. When I've been on, on call, you know, usually we have an idea of a woman being in early labour. We normally have some warning of some days, realistically. It's, it's unusual in my experience to have a person going to labour really quickly and have really not much warning at all. So the warning can be great, but also it can be, you know, it can be days of warning. And so sometimes I'll have somebody lined up in case I need them the following day and then it's not the following day. And so I've I'm asking about the, the day after and then it's not the day after either and then I'm looking at the following day and that's challenging when I've got people sort of ready to help but then I'm, I don't need them and I do need them and I might need them and so it's yeah it's really interesting how that plays out and just having maybe a few key people to to call on if you need and in my experience I've rarely actually had to call on somebody outside of my family it's just somehow worked out in times that just worked which is again reaffirming that it's just the right thing and I suppose if it stops working out then that's a good message that something has to change yeah so we need to sort of make the effort to have the support but also only so much effort I feel like if we're having to make a huge amount of effort then maybe it's not aligned maybe it's too much I'm just wondering yeah oh absolutely and I think they're all the markers aren't they to sort of there's that been that bit of a theme in our call around like what I said at the very beginning, I think knowing where our edges are and knowing our capacity to hold space comfortably and be present. And I think that's a really big thing for me because when my son was younger, I would go and check my phone on a toilet break and there'd be a message of from him and he'd be crying and, Mum, when are you coming home? And mm. and that made it really hard for a little while there that's when I went okay I think I need to be present at home now I think this is just too much for him right now mm-hmm. even though he's well supported by his older brother and sister I just think that was too much for him mm-hmm. and so knowing those edges and just refining when you need to mm-hmm. and I think that's why I've been able to be a doula for so long I mean flexibility is our middle name right yeah Hi, it's Mary here just interrupting the conversation briefly to let you know that my new business course for doulas, The Savvy Doula, is now ready and I'm really excited. Most doulas don't learn how to successfully run a business in their doula training and then they're thrust out into the world to figure it out for themselves. I want to change this to ensure that new and emerging doulas feel confident not only about supporting families and doing their dream work, but also about running a business that is sustainable and financially viable for the long term. I really believe there's a big gap in the market for this and that's what I'm trying to fill. So the Savvy Dollar has actually launched to those on the wait list who have come on board to do some beta testing for me, but it will be launching to the rest of you in the new year. And if you'd like to get on the wait list, you can do so via my website, Mary Giordano. 
www.thepodcast.com.au. There's a link below in the show notes that spells that out for you. If you navigate to the section at the top that says four doulas, you can see the savvy doula and you can add yourself to the waitlist there. I will be emailing those of you still on the waitlist to invite you to a webinar that I'll be holding early in Feb where I'll be introducing you to the Savvy Doula and offering you a discount to come on board as an early bird. So if you're already into the Savvy Doula, I hope that you enjoy it. If you're not yet, but you're interested, then get yourself on the wait list so you can still make the most of the discount when I launch to the public in early Feb. Thank you, and we'll go back to the conversation. So... We've heard, so over the past 13 years, we've heard about, um, you know, how things have changed, although I'm sure that there's more that's happening now that's newer, which I'll ask you about in a moment. You talked about your challenge as well. And I'm, I'm also wondering if you can just share briefly, what's your favorite thing about being a doula or what's the thing that you've enjoyed most over the last 13 years? Yeah, such a great question. Yeah. My favorite thing would have to be in the pregnancy appointments, really exploring that what it feels like to trust our body and then seeing a woman do that during labour. So she's just moving, she's really in the zone and really trusting but also highlighting the birth partner's role and just how important that is in birth outcomes Mm -hmm. but not only birth outcomes, like it lasts forever and then Mm -hmm. it just postpartum experience is um, I've, I've really noticed a correlation there in in that positive parenting outcomes as well. So positive birth correlation with positive parenting outcomes? Yeah, so it's kind of like this continuum where they're really getting educated and learning in pregnancy and then that moves into the birth process and then it sort of flows really nicely into that postpartum. And and I think observing that and I guess like I was saying with the centred body movement or that, that authentic movement, being witness to that is such an honour. Mm. And I guess one of my favourite things is seeing human nature in its true form. And in home labour support, I get to see that right up until, you know, if they birth at hospital, Um, if they birth at home, then I see it at home. But just that real primal, instinctual, that internal dialogue that's going on for them, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like they're they're moving with each impulse, you know, instinctively Mm -hmm. and when I'm really in that space of holding, it's such a beautiful, you do, you really do feel that one with nature. You feel like this is just, again, I guess it's reaffirming. It's just this is exactly where I'm meant to be and this is exactly what unfolding is exactly as it's meant to be. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just this real tranquility. I'm not quite sure of the Mm -hmm. word. Yeah, you just feel as one, I guess. Mm -hmm. You feel at one with it. So I feel very at home. Mm-hmm. and at peace and yeah I'd say that would probably be one of my favorite things mm-hmm. also too I think a lot today that birth has become people are feeling like they have to have all this information which I think is very valuable and I'm certainly not disregarding that but I think a lot of that celebratory that humor and the humility and stuff like that so a lot of the time when we're sort of finding our place in that birth space the laughter and the humor and the having like whether it's the birthing woman that says something or the partner that says something and we all laugh together or we all do a little dance in birth suite because we're just having so much fun with it or mm-hmm. a song comes on that's just we're not expecting and mm-hmm. celebrating those little moments too for me is really mm-hmm. important. A little bit of laughter I think goes a really long way and, yeah, it's like just enough. 
Mm. You know, you don't want to be up there all the time, but sometimes it can just be that shift. Yeah, and it's very welcome for partners sometimes too. I was actually at a birth last week and the partner was a bit anxious and we knew ahead of time there was conversations about the likelihood of him becoming anxious. Completely understandable the first time you're witnessing a woman in labour, your loved one. And at some yes. point her his partner, she got into the shower and she asked for her shower cap and so he got the shower cap out and she was labouring in the shower with the shower cap on. I've never seen a woman in labour with a shower cap on. And I said to him, you've got to take a photo. And, and then he realised it was actually quite a beautiful moment and also a lighthearted moment to capture. So he had a laugh and it really lightened that sort of feeling for him, which was really lovely. Um, oh, that's a gorgeous story. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen a woman labouring with a shower cap on? And- no, I haven't. <laughs> But I love it when there's always, you know, a first. I love it when there's a first. So I'd just like to know what what your actual offerings are now and then I'm going to ask you where to from here in the future. So you've talked about offering in-home labour support. I imagine you do still attend births. Maybe you can just give us an overview of what you currently offer and then from here where where are you driving your business into the future? Yeah, of course. So um, so from a birthing support perspective, I offer hospital, home and in-home labour support. Mm-hmm. I do offer birth education. So it's going to cross over a little bit into where to from here, but that will be moving into birth partner education. Mm-hmm. And I also offer face-to-face doula training. So I'm actually going to be moving that online, hopefully commencing 2024. Mm-hmm. So I'm just finding a lot of people are starting to the face-to-face inquiries are becoming a bit less and a lot of people are sort of going and moving to the online area, which, I mean, I just love face-to-face stuff. I love that that learning in real time. And so I'm just trying to, yeah, at the moment creating a way where it's still quite intimate. They still get to have communication with me, but sort of moving that online. I do have a couple of other online offerings that are perhaps not at the forefront of what I'm doing at the moment. So I'm a Yoni steaming practitioner and facilitator and I've just completed my Yoni steaming for pregnancy preparation course. So that's just sitting there at the moment though, like I'm not really utilising that to the full because there's other things that are my priority, but you can see that all the information is online around that as well on my website, yeah. Mm -hmm. And also there's a little online store where I've just got the most asked for herbs. So there's, you know, raspberry leaf, nettle, calming tea, things like that, sit soaks, bath soaks, just the basics. Mm-hmm. And that's really lovely to be able to offer that. I do run workshops, but again, haven't been running any at the moment. So I, this year has been very busy with the birthing support side of things. So that's where my focus and attention has been. Mm-hmm. Where to from here? I am going to be introducing authentic movement to the birth partner education. Mm-hmm. So really understanding where a woman, like her sounds, her movements, her mm-hmm. vocalising, things like that, really exploring that, which in hope will give birth partners that deeper understanding of where their partner is at, where the birthing woman is at when they are at home, if they're choosing to not engage a doula, and how to continue to trust that when they move into their birth setting of choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So yeah. I love how you spoke to this year has been taken up a lot with the birth supports, although you do offer other things, perhaps you're not currently offering them. I just like, just wanted to point that out again to people listening. 
a lot of us in this work as, as doulas, we are creating, we, we, we run our own businesses that we create ourselves and we switch things on and off as we need and can, I suppose. So in a busy season of births, in which I'm also in at the moment, some other things I've got on hold that I'm not offering for a few months, like my new mother's groups, because I just can't commit to that weekly thing. You know, it's just too much to commit to at the, at the moment. So yeah, we can do that. We can we make our businesses work for us. We, we need to make our businesses work for us. And that sometimes looks like turning things on and off or up, up and down. So just in terms of where your business is going in the future, is there anything else that you'd like to add there? Anything else that you want to share about where our doula, that's the name of your business, is our doula? Yeah. Yeah, where our right. doula is heading? I think we've covered most of it. I will be sort of very much leaning into a very, uh, like a, a focus on birth partners. Mm-hmm. So that's where my focus is going to be for the next little while. And I'm hoping to, as I mentioned, get a signature program out there for birth partners in the new year and also the online doula training next year. Mm-hmm. So, I've, yeah, been a busy little beaver behind mm-hmm. the scenes, as you can well appreciate. Mm-hmm. And I guess that is one of the beautiful things of being on call too is um when I am on call, I tend to stick around. Like I still live life as normal, but I stick around. So I've, because I have been busy, I've been able to get a bit done on those courses, which mm-hmm. I'm really, really happy about and mm-hmm. excited about. So I really look forward to, yeah, sharing that with everyone next year. And I mean, who knows, Mary? Who knows what new offering will pop up mm-hmm. in near future? But at this point, I feel really content and happy with my offerings and the flow of work. And I really have this deep trust that the right people find the right doula at the right time. That's always how my work's unfolded. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just a beautiful place to be. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Second that. And, And just to finish up, Kelly, is there any additional bit of advice or wisdom you'd like to give anybody else considering becoming a doula or early in their on the doula journey? Wow. So my heart feels to say that If you feel a calling, by all means, definitely find a course that resonates with you, you know, definitely look into the training. I think having run face-to-face doula training, at the end of it, I see so much growth in the person and it may not always lead into doula work Mm -hmm. due to the ability to be on call, but to not let that worry you because there'll be something really, really special that you can offer and bring that could transform the life of others just by being yourself, Mm. you know. And if it's not as a birth doula in this moment, it'll be something else. There'll Mm -hmm. be be something else and to really trust that. Trust that, yeah, you do have something really special to offer and all of us birth workers, doulas, we all look forward to seeing and hearing what that is. And I feel like there's just such beautiful support at the moment as well. There's a real big birth culture and... um, you know, we're all in it together. So, And it's growing, as we know. That's really beautiful. As you said, you know, if somebody does attend a doula training because they're called to and they don't end up working as a doula, there are so many skills and under, better un- improved understanding of oneself and others that they would bring from that into the rest of their lives. So it's a really valuable experience to, to do that training nevertheless. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Kelly. Thanks you for speaking with me today on the Whole Doula podcast. I hope our listeners enjoy the conversations. Thanks, Mary. Yeah, thanks for being such a gorgeous facilitator and asking great questions. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kelly. 
I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Kelly. I really enjoyed listening to the way that she pivoted her business during the pandemic out of necessity and by doing so discovered a new offering that she's continued to carry forward that's actually been really valued by her clients and families that she serves. It was great to listen to somebody who's been in the doula business for 13 years and to hear the insights and learnings that she's had and how she's changed and adapted her business over time to suit her family and other responsibilities and to hear how she's moving forward into the future. So I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation too. Thank you for joining me on the Whole Dollar Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Whole Dollar Podcast with Mary Giordano. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation today. If so, please hit subscribe and consider leaving a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. Have a beautiful day. Thank you.